Welcome to this week's podcast from Oceans Church in Orange County. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. For more information, please visit our website at theoceanschurch.com. We're going to open our Bibles up to Mark chapter 5. We've been in a series called Glow. Say it with me. Glow. And uh, today I want to talk to you in our last message in this series about the afterglow. The afterglow. Look at your neighbor say afterglow. The afterglow is the idea that when the sun sets, the sky is still shining, the afterglow of the sun. And uh, I want to talk today about the afterglow, the afterglow. It's, it's basically the good stuff that's there after the event is over. And uh, today, if you have your Bibles, Mark chapter 5, the afterglow. If you're there, say I'm there. I want to welcome, uh, I think Paul and Jackie Horner here today, some of my friends from Idaho. I'm not sure where they're at in the back. Love you guys. Good to see some of our friends from Idaho. They're from this area. They got deceived into moving to Idaho, and we're praying them back. I'm just kidding. We love you guys. Well, hey, this morning, uh, Mark chapter 5, verse 1. Let's read this together. And by the way, uh, don't shoot the messenger. Uh, This is probably the only church service you've ever been to that's dedicated 10-plus babies and then taught on the demon-possessed man. So please give me grace. That was not my intention. But I just, I just do what God tells me to do. So he told me, I said, God, what's the passage you want me to teach out of for this last message? And he said, I want, he, I want you to talk about the guy that was full of darkness that ended up clothed, sitting, and in his right mind. And so we're going to jump in. And again, kind of a heavy passage, so we'll try to do it with a little bit of humor. That's okay today. Because uh, it's like medicine. It helps, the, it, helps, it helps the medicine go down with a little humor. Amen? Ma- Matthew, or excuse me, Mark chapter 5. Scholars all agree that Mark is the best-named book of the Bible. We'll, we'll get going. Then they came to the other side of the sea. Say the other side. If you read before this passage, there was a great storm they went through, about a five-mile body of water that took them probably three or four hours to go through. They started the journey at night, so they probably got to this creepy cemetery place at nighttime. So they go through at night to the Gerardines, and when they came out of the boat immediately, say with me, immediately. Literally, as soon as they get out of this storm on the water, immediately, immediately met him out of the tombs, out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit who had been dwelling in the tombs, and no one could bind him, not even with chains, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been, pull, been pulled apart by him. He had this dark power, and the chains had been pulled apart. Neither could anyone tame him. Someone say he was wild. And always night and day, it was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. This is a heavy passage, and again, I apologize on baby dedication. You're like, I just came here to see my grandchild get dedicated. <laughs> This guy's wearing his wife's jeans and talking about demons. Um, Stay with me. We're going somewhere. Says this, when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran. This demon-possessed man saw Jesus from a distance, and he ran. What did he do? This is interesting. He worshiped him, which is a great theological, uh, you can make a great case theologically that you can be full of darkness and still worship Jesus. Says even the demons believe and tremble. So I would, I would argue this morning that to believe in God is not enough. For even the demons believe and tremble. So it says they worshipped him. 
He cried out with a loud voice. He goes, what do I have to do with you? Jesus, son of the most high God, I implore you by God that you do not torment me. For he said to him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. Then Jesus said, what is your name? This works a little bit creepy. He says, my name is Legion. That's a weird name. It means 6,000 troops. He says, we are many. He also begged him earnestly not to send him out of the country. Now, I want to just make this point. I didn't say this last service, but I want to point your attention to this idea. The demons didn't know what Jesus was going to do. Which is good to know this, that Satan and hell does not know everything. They are at the mercy of God's sovereignty. They don't know what you're going to do before you're going to do it. They don't know the future. Are you hearing me? That's why they pleaded, hey, we don't know what you're going to do. Send us into the pigs, they said. So watch what happens. Now a large, large herd of pigs were feeding near the mountainside. So all the demons begged, saying, send us into the pigs that we may enter them. And at once Jesus gave them permission. Then the unclean spirits went out, entered the pigs. There was about 2,000 pigs. The herd ran violently down a steep place, and they drowned in the sea. Let's say it appropriately, the darkness drowned in God's ocean. I was reading that last night, and the Lord said, that's what we're going to do at Ocean's Church. We're going to drown some darkness. Come on, someone say amen to that. So it says, drown in the ocean so that they fed, those that were feeding the pigs went and told the city and the surrounding country, and when they came out to see what was happening, they came to Jesus, this is interesting, this is a paradox, they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been demon-possessed and had a legion. They saw him sitting, clothed, which I thought would be a good thing, and in his right mind. This is where it gets weird. And they were afraid. It's interesting. I want to point this out. God was giving me kind of revelation about this last night. Religion is, is religion would prefer dark dysfunction they're familiar with than a holy disruption that leads people to their right minds. They were afraid because this demon-possessed guy was sitting clothed and in his right mind. And this is where it gets even crazier. And when it happened, um, they, they came to him after that, and they begged Jesus to leave their region. I believe that encountering God leaves you with two opportunities. You can either ask him to get close to you, or you can ask him to leave your region. Some of you, when you're in a church like ours that encounters God every week, you only have two choices. We're either going to get close to God, or we're not going to want to go back to that church because I could feel the darkness wanting to leave. I believe great churches is where sin goes to die. Great churches is where the darkness gets evicted. And it says this, so they begged Jesus to leave because he was sitting clothed and in his right mind. So he honored the request. He got into the boat. And the man who was demon-possessed begged Jesus that he might go with him. However, Jesus did not allow him. It's interesting. Jesus was obeying everybody. He, he, he granted the request of the, of the demons to go into the pigs. He granted the request of the townspeople to leave. But he did not grant the request of the, the, the demon-possessed man to go with him. Watch what he says. He said, you can't go with me. Instead, go home to your friends. To where? Go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you. 
and how he has had mercy on you. Some of you say, Mark, what, what, what do I have to share with anybody? I didn't go to cemetery or I didn't go to seminary. I don't have a doctorate's degree in theology. I don't have an MDiv. I don't know all the lyrics to Amazing Grace. Listen, I still read the screen lyrics. On the, uh, we could be singing uh, a Chris Tomlin song, and I'm staring at the screens. Listen, what do I have to say to a world that I don't know anything about God? This is what he said. Very simple. You don't have to quote the Bible. You don't have to have this eloquent testimony. All you got to do is tell them about the great things God's done for you. Tell them how I had mercy on you and you didn't deserve it. So that demon-possessed man who used to be like that, he said, all right, I can do that. So he departed from there, and he began to proclaim in Decapolis. Say with me, Decapolis. Decapolis means ten cities. Gerardines was one of those areas of the ten cities. And he departed and went into Decapolis, and he, he spoke all the things that Jesus had done for him. And I love this last little bit here. And it says, and all marveled. And all marveled. I don't know if you know this, but the word all in the Greek language, it means all. Everybody marveled. Let's pray this morning. I want to talk to you about the afterglow. Father, I pray for the next 30 minutes that you would do something significant, something powerful. We're not here to check a religious box. God, we're not here because we got religion. God, we're here because, Lord, we either knowingly or unknowingly, we've been summoned by you. God, we believe the day that you want to speak to us. We believe the day that you want, to, you want to encounter us with your Holy Spirit. I pray that you would touch those that have never experienced your touch, that you would whisper your voice into the ears of your people, and I pray that they would leave these tents, Lord, glowing with your, with your great power. We honor you today, Holy Spirit. I pray we'd have a good time, and we pray for a championship for the Lakers again. In Jesus' name, everybody sit. It's good to have the microphone. Amen. I'm excited. Uh, I've been, uh, I have two little girls. Rochelle and I have two daughters. We have, a, uh, as many of you know, a five-year-old uh, who's like a blender missing a lid. And uh, I have a 12-year-old that looks like she's like 21. And it was interesting. I, I, I thought about this. You know, it's, it's interesting. It seems like you blink, and before you know it, you're, you're getting older. And I didn't know I was getting older until I had kids. Kids are some of the greatest indicators of how old you're getting. They do things like TikTok. It's like this generation, look, we might not know school and education, but we know how to dance. So I'm like, I'm not a dancer. I didn't have TikTok growing up. Um, but I, one of the things that really made me aware of how old I was was by the movies my kids were not aware of. I made a reference to the Karate Kid the other day, and my daughter said, what does that mean? I said, you don't know what Bonsai Danielson means? I said, sit on the couch. I need two hours of your time. We purchased the Karate Kid. I taught her about wax on. Come on, wax off. Paint the fence. Come on, up. She had no idea. I was just, I was loving it. It was just fun. I'm like, man, these are movies that shape my childhood. So we've been trying to disciple our kids the last few weeks. The other day, I, I watched uh, Father the Bride with my daughter. Now, I watched that movie about 15 years ago when I was a young married man. And now I'm like, I have a 12-year-old. And I went from loving that movie to like, this movie's stupid. Yeah. Getting all emotional. I'm like, is there... Is there pepper spray in the salt machine? Is it in the it's pepper spray, I think, in this house? I was getting a little teary-eyed watching Father Bright. It's funny how movies can move you. And uh, it changes. Some movies can change your vocabulary. Yeah. 
I remember the first time I saw The Sandlot. Classic millennial movie. Every time I read forever in the Bible, I have to read it like the young man from The Sandlot. And the glory of the Lord remains forever. Right? It's amazing. Shape my vocabulary. I watch movies like Titanic, and I'm like, Rose, there was room on that door. I don't know why you're letting go, girl. This is ticking me off. I got some issues with Rose still. Some inner healing we'll deal with later in Sozo. But I, I watched these movies growing up, and I remember one of the movies that really traumatized me, but I loved it, was The Goonies. A truffle Shuffle. Remember Sloth? Who remembers Sloth? I don't know why, but every time I read Mark chapter 5, I think of sloth. Right? You got this guy breaking chains for baby Ruth, right? <laughs> Who remembers that line? That was a good line. I remember this. It's like, this guy, you read Mark chapter 5, he's breaking chains. He's got these crazy voices coming out of him. He's, he's definitely, he's got this superhuman strength. And he's out of his mind. I mean, he's like, he looks like one of the dancers in, come on, Michael Jackson's thriller video. They pull up on the sea in this ship. As soon as they hit the ship, you have this guy that's naked. Can you imagine this? You're, you're a good Jewish boy. You're not supposed to be around dead people. You're in a cemetery right away. You're not supposed to be around pigs. And you're surrounded by 2,000 pigs. And you're not supposed to be around demon-possessed people. And there's a demon-possessed naked guy. And there is a reason, I believe, that we read nothing about the 12 disciples in the first 20 verses of 5. Peter, James, and John are sucking their thumbs in the fetal position in the bow of the ship. Like, Jesus, make it stop. Make it stop. Make it, make it stop. They're freaked out of their minds. You got this naked dude, like sloth, that comes running to the ship, that falls at the feet of Jesus, doing like this, like, just crazy, right? He's got chains still attached to his wrist. This is a wild scenario. And here in this backdrop, they're in Gar Garadines. That is one of the cities of Decapolis. Decapolis, just so you know, is one of the darkest regions of the known world at that time. Jesus would take his 12 followers over a life-threatening sea in a gnarly storm for only one crazy person. It says they literally, he said, I have to cross the sea. I have need to cross the sea. They go through a storm, and the only thing they do in that city is they liberate one crazy demon-possessed man. And they go to this place that good Jews don't go. The, the, the Decapolis region was a, they say, predominantly populated by the descendants of the Canaanites. These were idol worshipers. These were, these were pagan people that sacrificed their children to their gods. They didn't just do child sacrifice. They cut themselves. They had rituals. They worshiped gold. They, they were a dark society. And it's amazing to me that Jesus knows that his light shines the brightest in this dark backdrop. It was almost like, guys, we're going to Decapolis because when I break this glow stick, it's going to shine brighter here than anywhere. So he goes in and he crosses the sea. And I would bring your attention to this because this is what God gave me for you today as I was praying. Is I was praying about how this guy experienced this glowing light that would change ten, ten cities. If you read Matthew 7 and some other chapters, even in Mark, it says that Jesus had massive crowds that would follow him 
from Decapolis. They say that the massive crowds that followed him from Decapolis was because of this first missionary that went to the pagan region who was formerly possessed by 6,000 demons. That the greatest evangelist, the first evangelist to the pagan world was a formerly demon-possessed man. Pretty wild, right? And again, I apologize, not a baby Sunday uh, message. But as I was reading this, I was thinking about how God loves to invade dark places. The gospel, Jesus is not a God that's intimidated by darkness. This story is really about three S words. It's about Satan, it's about society, and it's about the Savior. I believe those are the three predominant influencers of all of humanity. Today you sit in these tents and you watch online, either your life being influenced by Satan, your life being influenced by society, or your life being impacted by the Savior. The good news is we get to choose who impacts us. Some of you don't know that you're being impacted by Satan, but there is a darkness that is actually leading you into places that you don't want to be. How do you know you're, you're impacted by Satan? Well, satanic influence always leads us to the tombs. You might not be living by our quiet neighbors next door. Tough crowd. These neighbors never complain about the noise over here. That's a cemetery, guys. We'll keep going. Um, tough crowd. But, but you know you're being influenced by a dark power when it leads you to dead places. The tombs, listen to me, it represents going and wanting to be comfortable in dead places. How do you know this guy was impacted by Satan? It's very clear. It says he made his home amongst the tombs. He had unclean spirits living inside of him. He cried out and he cut himself. He cried out and he cut himself. Some of you aren't crying out maybe with your voice, but you're crying out by, by, by overdosing. You're crying out by, by, the, by, the, by the crazy things you're doing that make no logical sense. Some in this tent actually are cutting yourselves. You thought that was something new. This has been going on since the beginning. That is a tormenting spirit that's, that's causing you to cut yourself. Hear me clearly. America has all these names for disorders, but in the Bible it's very clear. It's either Satan, society, or Savior. You're being impacted by one of the three. And we don't talk about it in the church today. We seem to avoid darkness, and we're scared of talking about demons and devils. And we have these really brilliant theologians that are so smart that they've eradicated God's supernatural power. It was just a metaphor. They must have been a metaphor. That the Red Sea crossing must have been a metaphor. Maybe, maybe they crossed at low tide. Maybe it was six inches deep. Like you read some of these commentators, it's like, bro, you are so, you're so smart you've become dumb. And if they drown in six inches of water, it's still a miracle. There's all these weird intellectuals. I'm not suggesting that faith-filled churches are anti-intellectual. I actually believe that faith parallels with wisdom. James chapter 1 says, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God. But when he asks, let him ask in. Faith and wisdom are not, they're not at odds. They hang out together. Can I get a good amen? So it's a dark place. It's a dark place. There's a, there's a darkness. This guy's influenced by Satan because he has darkness in him, and he's comfortable living and sleeping in the darkness. Some of you grew up in such dark environments that it's familiar to you. And maybe you're not here impacted maybe directly by a dark satanic entity, but maybe you're here and you go, Mark, honestly, I'm being influenced by society. How do you know society's influencing you? 
It says these, these guys went into town. They got the owners of the pigs that went crazy. And when the owners came out, their pigs were gone, but the guy that was demon-possessed was in his right mind, sitting and clothed. Here's what I want to point your attention to. When society influences you, you care more about the monetary value of pigs than you do about the eternal value of souls. We have people today that would rather make money than make a difference. We have people today that would rather use people to get money than use money to get people. And I'm telling you today that God's desire is actually that society would not influence what we value. It's crazy. They saw the power of God. This is what I would bring your attention to. You can witness God's power and not be changed by it. Did you know that? Some of you are like, well, if I saw a miracle right in front of my eyes, I would live for God. No, you wouldn't. Because if you won't believe in God before the power shows up, you're not going to believe after it shows up. That's why Jesus said even if someone comes back from the dead, they're not going to believe. So let's keep going here. It says this, that this guy who was formerly demon-possessed was influenced by Satan, had this encounter with society, but ends up being eternally impacted by the Savior. And here's what we know about this guy. Eventually, he glowed. Eventually, this guy that was full of darkness, lived in dead places, he began to glow for God. So here's what I want to bring your attention to. If we're going to glow like this guy, I believe we get what we get if we experience what he experienced. How do, how do people living in dark places, being influenced by Satan, society, and not the Savior, how do we begin to glow? And I want to write four things down that you can take with you in the next few minutes. Is the first thing that we do if we're going to glow for God is we have to realize that there is a real darkness. Write it with me, darkness. Many people refuse to believe in darkness. They believe they just need more medication. Maybe they just need an extra couple glasses of wine. we got to do something to take the edge off. Ladies and gentlemen, if we have to cope with something to take the edge off, maybe we're serving the wrong deity. You don't understand. I got to drink a couple extra. I got to take the, a couple extra pain pills. I just I want to numb myself. I'm not talking about medicine that doctors prescribe that's needed. I'm talking about you trying to numb yourself. I want you to know that I believe it's the presence of God that takes the edge off. I don't believe that God wants you to work yourself to death, trying to be distracted, being a busy bee. Some of you trying to medicate yourself to death or drink yourself to death or activity yourself to death. So many people are oblivious that there is a darkness in your soul and it's not going to leave until you come to the light. Why is there so many people in Orange County that have everything but they're empty inside? You married a supermodel, you live in a mansion, and you're, you're still not happy? Ladies and gentlemen, if money, success, fame, and good-looking spouses made you happy, then Orange County would be the happiest place in the world. But what I find is, is that these things, not bad, but in and of themselves is not what soothes the soul. There is a darkness in our humanity. Listen to me, I don't care how much money you have or how good-looking your spouse is, that 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 darkness only leaves with a superior light. Some of you have no idea that it is darkness that's affecting your family. Why is it we come in the house and we just start fighting right away? Why, why do we argumentative? Why do I, when I'm alone, I start feeling this lustful sensation or I, I start going back to my old habits of drug use? Why is it I get in this environment? It's familiar 
And it leads me back to this dead place. Um, I'm not trying to be spooky today, but there is a real devil. There are real demons. And according to the Bible, it says that one-third of the stars fell with Lucifer when he fell out of heaven like lightning. The good news is for you mathematicians that if one-third fell against us, there is still two-thirds with God. Even greater news is even if all of them fell, God is still stronger. So hear me clearly. Two extremes in Christianity is glorifying darkness. The other extreme is not acknowledging it. Some of you I say, we're going to talk about demons and devils. Someone's like, heck yeah, it's about time. We need to talk about spiritual warfare, pastor. I'm going to ask you to come back to the middle. And when I say we're talking about demons and darkness today, and you're like, oh, we better leave. Listen to me. Stay. Come back to the middle. We're not going to be a church that glorifies darkness, but we're also not going to be a church that disregards it's there. I think that one of the devil's greatest, greatest feats is to try to convince the world that he doesn't exist. He is real, but he is a fallen foe. We know his future. And every time he tries to tell you about your past, you remind him of his future. Is that all right? We serve a God that's powerful, that evicts darkness. And I would just let you know today, because many people don't talk about this in church today, but there is a darkness that can reside in you. We don't believe that Christians can be possessed, but they can be oppressed. And this is what God told me as I was studying. I didn't say this last service, but if you want to glow on the outside, you have to let God make you glow on the inside first. Some of you, you want to change the world, but you can't change them until you let God change. I want to tell you about the power of God that you have to experience for yourself. You have to put on your own mask before you help put on the mask of others around you. That was airplane airplane terminology. I'm telling you today that there are dark circumstances. Decapolis is one of the darkest places of the known world, but yet Jesus found it necessary to go there to liberate somebody. The second thing we know about this guy is not only was there a darkness that was real, there was a deliverance that was real. I want you to know, I don't, I don't hear many people my age preaching in churches talking about the power of the gospel to deliver. Many people leave the gospel message at salvation. Jesus died on the cross to get you to heaven. He died on the cross to give you your golden ticket to Hollywood, to heavenwood. He didn't just die to get you to heaven, friends. And here's what my conviction is, is that a gospel that doesn't have power is no gospel at all. It is powerful enough to get you to heaven. But Jesus dying on the cross sent the Holy Spirit to get heaven inside of you. And many of you are waiting on eternity to get freedom that God has for you now. We can't wait to the next life to live like Jesus. We can live like him in this life. And I know I'm preaching to someone because I can, I can tell there's only about 15% of the room that responds to that. I want you to know that Jesus did not do miracles as God. He did, he did miracles as a man in right relationship with God. If Jesus had a powerful life because he was just God, then all we would do is just go, he's amazing. But if he did miracles as a man who was in right relationship with God, he was fully God, listen to me, but he was also fully man. Impregnated by the Holy Spirit, but still of a, of a natural birth of Mary. He was God, man, the God, man, the son of man. Listen to me. I don't want to go too deep today. 
But I'm telling you today, John chapter 5, Jesus said, the son, Jesus, can do nothing of himself. But what he sees the father do, the son does in a like manner. I would tell you today that God had power to deliver. And if Jesus brought light to broken people, he said, greater works will you do because I go to the Father. You know why they called them Christians at Antioch? It was because Christian meant little Jesus. Remember, come on, Austin Powers, mini-me? Christian means Jesus mini-me. They go, man, I don't know what to call you guys, but you are just like a small version of Jesus. Shadows are healing people. Praying for dead people to come back from the grave. Blind eyes opening up. Deaf ears opening up. Cancers being healed. Temperatures leaving. Listen, you're like, well, Mark, that's in the Bible. Yeah, but that's not in churches today. It's supposed to be. Show me the verse that says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, in the future, but not today. Show me the verse that says when the, when the apostles die, so will my power. When they die and retire, my power retires. Many people have believed in a gospel and gotten according to their faith. Zero power. Listen, I'm not saying you're a God. I'm not saying some weird doctor. I'm just telling you, Jesus said, I'm going to the Father. And when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to anoint you with power from on high. That you're going to lay hands on the sick and they're going to recover. You're going to pray for people that have darkness and the darkness is going to leave. This is the words of Jesus. Well, I don't like that message. Well, you can dislike the message of the Bible and keep harboring the darkness. Or you can agree with God and go, hey, God, if there is darkness, I give you permission to take it. I believe in a God that delivers. How did he deliver him? Let me just make a few things here. He delivered him by, by allowing him to be seated, by clothing him, and by putting him back in his right mind. I was praying for you this week. God told me three things he wanted to do for you this week. He said, some of you guys... You're so spiritually jittery that you can't stay. You have like spiritual ADD. You can't stay focused on God. You can't stay focused on prayer. You can't read your Bible. You have time for everything except Jesus. And God says, I want to offer you that are weary. I want to offer you the rest at sitting at my feet. I'm going to command the darkness to leave today so that you learn how to just turn on some worship music, open up your Bible, and spend 10 minutes in the morning before you start your day with Jesus. Luke 8 says that he sat at the feet of Jesus. Listen to me. Rabbis would only let students sit at their feet. So Jesus didn't just liberate this dark man's darkness. He said, you're going to be so free that you could become one of my students. God doesn't want you just to become a saved Christian. He wants you to learn what he knows so you can live how he lived. That's the life of Christianity. So I believe that today, maybe, maybe you're running wild in life, uncontrollable. God says, I'll give you the peace to sit still. Secondly, I'll give you the grace to be clothed in my righteousness. You know what clothes represented in the Bible? They represented standing with God. When Adam and Eve, before the fall, they had right standing with God. They were naked and unashamed. Scholars say there was no calories before the fall. Because they were naked and unashamed. You get that later. But after the fall, it says God had to clothe them with, with clothing, right? 
In Matthew chapter 20, it says that they were, these guys were evicted from the feast because they did not have on wedding garments. Garments represented right relationship and right standing with God. Listen to me. He was naked. He was, he was destitute of God. And what God did in his power is he evicted the darkness and delivered in such a way that he sat at his feet and he was clothed with God's right standing. And I love the third thing. He was in his right mind. If I felt one thing stronger than anything this week for our church is I felt like the Lord told me to tell you guys that he wants you to live in your right mind. So many of you are living outside of your mind. You're living vexed in your mind. Your, your mind is not renewed. Your, your mind is more impacted by society. You are more of a disciple of CNN and Fox News than you are of Jesus. You're being discipled by media, by money, by Wall Street. None of those things are bad by themselves, but listen to me. Our minds are at our best when they're yielded to God. Romans 12, 2 says, not to be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your... How are you transformed? It says, the word transformed is metamorphosis. Caterpillar to butterfly. Write this down. A renewed mind is a mind that sees reality from God's perspective. What is the mind of Christ? It's to see this life from God's perspective. So when tragedy happens, we don't, we don't get devastated. We don't mourn like those that have no hope. We see tragedy from God's perspective. Earth sees an empty body. Heaven sees a vacated cocoon. We see things with an eternal perspective. We don't see pain like the world sees pain. We don't cry at God with our fists shaved, waving at Him saying, why God, why God? We say, God, I don't know why, but maybe Maybe one day we're going to have a reason for this. I always say, why do, why do babies have ears if they don't use them in the womb? Why do babies have mouths if they don't eat in the womb with their mouth? Why do babies have eyes if they don't use them when they're in their mother's stomach? I would suggest to you, if you got mad about the use of babies' extremities inside of their mother, you would be very discouraged at God's design. But if you would factor that maybe God gave eyes, ears, and mouths to babies in the womb, not because of the reality that they're in, but because of the reality of where they're going. Some things don't make sense in this life, but they will in the next. Do you believe that? I don't know why bad things happen to good people. I don't know why good things happen to bad people, but I know this, that in heaven, in the backdrop of eternity, things will, be all, things will be justified. We'll see the goodness of God in eternity. Listen, man, I can plead with you today. Do not judge God based upon a 70-year timeline. Some of you have determined God is evil or bad because of one year of pain. That would be like judging a movie by the first 10 seconds. Let's leave. This is stupid. You watch 10 seconds of the movie. You gauge the movie by the body of work of the movie. And we gauge the goodness of God, not based upon a one year 2020, but by the body of his work in creation and in eternity. That's good preaching right there. I'll say amen to myself. There are some in this room today as we get ready to wrap this up, that, that you need to know God's delivering power to clothe you, to cause you to sit at his feet, and to get you back in a renewed mind. What's a renewed mind? Let's say it again. It's seeing reality from God's perspective. That's a renewed mind. 
And the third thing that this guy shows us is that not only can we come out of darkness, not only can we be delivered, but listen to me, true deliverance, I'm almost done. True spiritual deliverance will always make you, number three, different. You know what I'm tired of? I'm tired of people that say they're Christians but stay broken. And I'm not, I'm not against people that aren't perfect. I'm against people that are okay with living low. Stop making excuses like God can't change you. He can. He's willing. You're not. We got to say, God, make me different. This guy was different, friends. And I would argue this morning in front of everybody that you could spend time in his presence. You can see his miracles. You can be raised in church. You can go to Christian schools and seminaries and still not be changed by Jesus. How do you know? Because Judas wasn't changed. Judas spent three years with Jesus. He saw blind eyes open. He saw Jesus tell wind to shut up. And it did. He saw dead people come out of the grave like Lazarus. And it says that Judas was a thief. That he stole money out of the offering baskets. And I don't believe it was a one-time event. Judas was a crooked man. That his greatest sin wasn't selling Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. Which was the exchange of a slave under the law. Which is, which is honestly just makes me angry to think that Judas would try to sell Jesus for the price of a slave under the old covenant. 30 pieces of silver, he sells Jesus. But I'll tell you, one of the greatest sins of Judas was not selling Jesus out. It was spending three years around his presence and his power and never being changed. Let it be said of us that we're not those that spend time with God, but we don't let him make us different. God, I give you permission to make me different. Change my vocabulary. Change my thought process. Change my priorities. Change how I spend my time. Come on. Change how I spend my money. Change how I spend my values. Make me different, God. I believe that when real revival hits, it's not six-hour services of people laying on the ground with modesty cloths. True revival, when it hits, it does something in people in the tents that changes how they live during the week. That's revival, is it changes the way you live your life. God, deliver me so I can live set apart. The funny thing about our generation is everyone wants to make a difference, but we want to do it being the exact same as our neighbors. Make me a voice, then, then step out from the voices. God, I want to make a difference for you, but I want to be broken like everybody else. You will never make a difference to people in hell as long as you're living like them. God needs the people to say, God, I give you permission to get me out of this hell, get me out of this dark mentality so I can show people the way out. I believe great leaders simply turn around and say, hey guys, I found the way out of debt, follow me. I found the way out of perversion, follow me. I found the way out of poverty, follow me. I found the way out of depression, follow me. The message of Jesus is follow me as I follow him. But we have pastors getting up today going, well, I'm just broken and woe is me and I'm just a worm and I'm just as dysfunctional and I'm just a big screw up like you guys are. I'm not saying I'm perfect, but I'm saying I am going after the strength of God. We're not going to lead this church out of weakness. We're just going to survive until Jesus comes back. No, 
We're here to take names. We're here to take dominion. We're, we're here to make a difference for God. I'm not sneaking in the back door of heaven. Are you hearing me? Some of the messages we preach in churches today, it's like we're going to sneak in the back door because of grace. I'm not sneaking in the back door of heaven. I want to enter heaven like Billy Graham with the crowds cheering. Well done. Good and faithful. So, are you hearing me today? Sorry I'm fired up, but I feel it in my bones. God, make us different. And when God begins to change you, you know what you're changed? God doesn't change you so you can brag about it. You see how holy I am now? You see how my convictions have changed? Oh, I didn't know I was better than you. He didn't give you this holy snobbery. He doesn't make us different to be snobs. Listen to me. He makes us different. I want you to write this down. Point four. He made the demon-possessed man different so he could invade Decapolis. You know what God wants to do? He wants to make you different so you can go into Decapolis. Decapolis represents the godless parts of your world. Decapolis is the co-worker that's an atheist. Decapolis is the teammate that, that hates Christians. Decapolis is your neighbor that curses you every time you drive by. Decapolis is the parts of the world that have never experienced God's love. And God wants to deliver you from darkness so that you could be different, so that you could go into Decapolis and not have a seminary degree, maybe some of you, but for many of you, all you have to know is this, is what the, the great things that God has done. Tell the people how God has had mercy on you. Truth is, I was raised in Palmdale and Lancaster, California. I was raised in the neighborhood that if you couldn't afford to live in the ghettos in LA, the government would pay for you to be relocated to the neighborhoods I grew up in. I grew up in low-income low apartments. I told my 11-year-old or 12-year-old the other day, I was like, girl, you have such a good life. I said, daddy got beat up at school the first time in fourth grade. I remember getting jumped. First time I got jumped by a little gang was in fourth grade. I remember being one of the only Caucasians in my school, and I experienced the opposite side of racism. I remember growing up, like, it really tough. I'm not trying to brag. Some of you had way worse lives than I had. I saw my parents physically fighting, went through a traumatic divorce. I grew up in a dysfunctional home. And here's what I know, is I know that I came out of a dark environment that God delivered me from the darkness. And long before I knew the lyrics to a hill song, long before I knew the Pentecostal two-step or the Hillsong hop, long before I knew any of that stuff, I knew this, the great things that God brought me out of. I grew up addicted to pornography. I grew up addicted to all these broken mentalities. And here's what I know. When you taste God's light, you stop making excuses for the darkness. God, remove the darkness. Deliver me. I ask you to make me different in my mind, clothing, and where I sit. And I give you permission, God, to use me to go into the, the dead places, the Decapolises, the Garadines, to actually declare to God, to, to declare to the people the great things that God has done and the great mercy that He's had on me. Scholars would tell us that some of the greatest followings of people came out of Decapolis for the ministry of Jesus. And they credit it to the first missionary to the pagan world who's our boy Sloth from Mark chapter 5. Hey, you guys. This is the guy that God would use to impact Decapolis. Can I ask you a question today? If God could get someone out of 6,000 demons, 
get him out of darkness, if God could deliver him, if God could actually make that demon-possessed naked man in a, in a graveyard different, do you think that God could change you? And if he could, would you want him to? Some of you, you have no purpose in life because you're, you're living for you. You're not living for Decapolis. We're going to be a church that the world marvels at because we're going to go into these places different. You must go to Ocean's Church because, man, you're no longer depressed. You must go to that church. You have joy, man, like you've never had before. I've seen the change in you. I love one of our students is roommates with a girl, and, uh, and, and the girl said this. She goes, I knew I wanted to go to your church when I saw the change in my roommate. They're both in our college this year. God, help us make a difference by letting you make us different. Would you stand your feet today? Feel this presence in here. We want to be a church that glows. I love the story of the afterglow. I'm going to read two scriptures to you. It says in Acts 10, 38, that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And Jesus went about doing good and healing all. Say with me, all. Who did Jesus heal? All who were oppressed by the devil because God was with him. Who believes God is with us? And it says in 1 John 3, 8, that the Son of God has appeared for this purpose to destroy the works of the devil. I had to bury my friend's wife last week. Did another funeral the week before that. Met with one guy that went through this awful tragedy in his family. And I'm reminded in the presence of darkness that there is a real devil that needs to be destroyed. Jesus is raising up a church that will destroy the works of the devil. How many believe that? We're gonna bring light to this region. We need to bring light to politics, to business, to media, to the arts, to education, and to the church. Can I get a good amen? Let's bring some light. So eyes closed, holy moment. I'll have you out of here in five minutes. That might be a lie. It'll be close to five minutes. Eyes closed. You say this prayer all over the room. Say, God, what are you saying to me? Come on, get serious with God. He'll get serious with you. Say, God, what are you saying to me? I believe the day that whether it was Satan, society, or the Savior, we choose who influences us. And today I have faith, even for some of my friends in this, in this tent, even online, right now online, that you're being influenced by darkness or by society. And you say, you know what, today I want to let God influence me. I want to invite God into my darkness. God, would you come into my depression? Would you come into my discouragement? God, today would you come into my greed? Would you come into my, 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 my workaholic mentality? Would you come into my, the areas that I'm medicating myself or I'm addicted to, to wine or I'm addicted, Lord, to these pills? Or God, I invite you today into my darkness. How many would be bold enough today with eyes closed to say, I want to invite God into some dark areas of my mind and my heart, maybe dark areas of my family? How many believe that God can invade the darkness? If you're bold today, we're an honest church. You want to join this honesty. Come on, I want you to raise your hands and say, God, I invite you to the dark areas. Would you come? Yeah, honest people in this tent. I invite you into my Decapolis. I invite you into the dark regions where the, where the tombs are, where the dead things are. Would you come into the dead areas of my life? And would you come on right now, deliver me.
you want God to deliver you out of the darkness, lift both hands towards heaven. And I'm not saying it's, it's crazy darkness. It might be a darkness in your convictions. It, it might be a compromise in your marriage right now. It might be a compromise with your kids. Let's invite God right now. Come on, hands up all over. Say, God, deliver me. Come on, let's say it together. Say, God, I invite you into my darkness. Would you deliver me? Deliver me. Come on, I wish all of Ocean's Church from the very back sound booth all the way to the front say, God, deliver me from all darkness. Make me different. I want to sit at your feet. I want to be clothed by you. And I want to live in my right mind. See reality from your perspective. And finally, I want you to do this last, so we'll do this together. Let's invite God today not only to, to remove the darkness, but come on, we're going to invite God to make us different so that we can make a difference in Decapolis. Well, just, if you want God to use you to bring light into the dark parts of our world, come on, into those dark neighbors' houses, into that dark business meeting, that dark board, mo- board, uh, board meeting, the dark conference room, the dark classroom. If you want to bring God's light, come on, say, God, make me different so I can bring your light. Lift both hands towards heaven. I'm going to pray for you. I wish you would come on, pray with me out loud. Say, God, use me to make a difference into the Decapolis, the 10 cities in my world. Make me light in the darkness and use my life to push back the kingdom of hell, to usher in the kingdom of heaven. In Jesus' name, God, we just thank you for your presence that's here right now. We ask you that you would prove that this is your word today by, Lord, confirming it with signs and wonders following. I ask you, Father, for anyone in this tent that needs healing in their body. I pray, Lord, for the person that's struggling with their esophagus. I pray for the person that has a fractured sternum. I pray for the person that has even a problem in their clavicle. I I lift up the individual right now, even the woman in here, God, that has a problem with their sciatic nerve. I ask you that in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, that every spirit of infirmity, I pray, Lord, anything that's not of you today in in this tent, even online right now, I ask you that, Lord, your presence would come and heal. I pray that you would heal the blind eye. I pray that you'd open up the deaf ear. I pray that you'd remove the the rash on the body. I pray that you would heal the tendonitis. I pray in Jesus' mighty name. If you need healing, just lift your hands. I'm telling you, we serve a God that heals. And I pray, Lord, every week people keep coming back to this place, bringing their friends, because they're experiencing the power of God. Holy Spirit, I pray for the broken heart. Someone came in here with a very broken heart to the point that you were suicidal. And God is healing your heart right now. The world throws brokenness away. God collects the broken pieces and puts us back together again. God collects the brokenhearted. And I sense His love today healing someone's heart. Let's bring it down just a little bit. We're almost finished. He's here. And as we close right now, I want to invite Him to heal. If you need healing in your mind, in your heart, someone you were abused growing up, really verbally, maybe sexually, you were abused, and God is going to heal the trauma. How many believe God can heal trauma? He's going to heal trauma. Someone went through a really awful divorce, and it's affecting your current marriage. And I believe that God wants to heal the hurts of your past relationship so you don't sabotage your current relationship. 
if that's you all over the room, if you need healing in your heart or your mind or if your physical body, I believe someone has esophagus cancer today that's watching online or in person, and God's going to heal someone's throat today. Someone has throat cancer even. I even saw lungs that were screwed up from smoking your whole life that God could actually heal emphysema. And I pray today, Lord, for even the, 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 the dirtied lung that you would make it new again. I believe in creative miracles. I believe that God could give you a new esophagus. I believe that God could give you new lungs. God, you can do anything. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? It's nothing too hard for you. So if you need healing right now, I'm out of time. Would you just lift your hands towards heaven? Almost done. You need healing in your mind, your body, maybe spiritual healing. You had a bad experience with Christians, a bad experience with church. You want God to remove the jaded nature of your faith. Lift your hands. God, it doesn't take long to change. So with our hands up today, would you say it all over the room? Say, God, I give you permission to change me, deliver me, heal me, and to make me different. Heal my body, heal my mind, restore my spirit. Lead me into your light. In Jesus' name. Come on, if you received that, come on, just say amen. Would you give me a hand clap real quick? Yeah. Mighty God. Last thing. Believe it or not, someone just got healed of a really serious condition, some sort of skin issue. And I heard the Holy Spirit just whisper in my ear and he said, Mark, I healed them and they're not even a believer in me yet. And I believe the same God that healed your skin right now, you had pain, you couldn't even touch your skin. It was like so sensitive. I want you to feel it right now and notice that the pain is gone. I believe the Lord would invite you today to say, not only would you invite me to heal you, would you invite me to move, move into your life? I believe the Lord is knocking at the door of your heart. Some of you, you got healed before you even believed in Him. And today, whether you're a first-time believer or you're rededicating your life to Jesus, I'm done with this. I want to give everyone in the tent an opportunity or online to give their lives to Jesus and we'll be finished. If you say, Mark, I'm not living for Jesus, but I want to. Or I've, I've walked away from God and I want to come back. Maybe you had a bad experience with a Christian or a church and you wrote God off and today God says, I will make all things brand new. Let me restore the sour taste in your mouth. God will do it. If that's you today, I want you to be really bold, eyes closed, no one's looking, I'm not going to call you forward. I'm going to ask you to raise your hands though on the count of three. One, I believe on the count of three, so I want you to lift your hands on the count to three. God brought you here today for this reason. Two, this is the day to get right with God. I want you to raise your hands. If you're on, online right now, I want you to write heart, if that's you. Three, all over the tent. Just raise your hand. No one's looking. No one's looking. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Keep putting them up. Keep putting them up. I want to get right with God. Yeah, I want to give my life to God. Real high. Real high. Keep it up. I see three hands, four hands. Come on, keep it up. Come on, keep it up. Five hands, six hands, seven hands. Keep it up. Seven hands, anybody else? Eight hands. Awesome. 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 If you're online right now, don't miss this moment. Just write heart, H-E-A-R-T. Say, God, I want to give you my heart. I believe that God, you'll never regret giving God more. Many people always regret giving God less. Don't miss this moment. Just write heart right now. Say, I want to give God my heart. You raised your hand today or you wrote that online. Pray this prayer all over and we'll close together. Say, Jesus, I invite you. Come on, say it like you mean it, into my life. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to heal me. 
evict the darkness, fill me with your light, and give me purpose for living. I want to love you and know you from this day forward. In Jesus Christ's name, everyone said amen. If you pray that prayer, we'd love to get you a Bible at our tent. You can download it on your phone. If you don't have a church, this is a great church to go to. And if you're not involved in small group, join our small groups at Oceans Church website. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.